Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast and joining me for an emergency trade deadline special longtime friend of the show, Ben DuBose, who covers the Rockets for USA Today's Rockets Wire. And I know you're busy, Ben, so we'll get into things real quickly. Just your opening thoughts on what Rafael Stone did and didn't do at the trade deadline. It's underwhelming, but I'm not despondent about it like a lot of people seem to be. There is a point with Eric Gordon and Christian Wood, who are under contract through 2023, where the value from keeping them, both in terms of their production on the court and how they make the game, especially in Gordon's case, easier for a lot of the young guys, there is a point where just keeping them and their basketball value and then having their salaries next year as expiring to potentially use as filler in trades is more valuable than simply, say, a second-round pick now. Now, I'm not saying that that was the best available offer. We know there were leaks that the Rockets said they had a first, and they said they didn't want one in 2022. But I'm just saying there is a point in which the value is so low with a guy who's on a contract for another year that it makes sense that you keep them and you see what the options are. And then in Wood's case, who's 26 years old, the fact that you would have his bird rights or you will have his bird rights after 2023, um, whether the Rockets keep him or they eventually trade him, those bird rights are valuable because less and less teams are going the cap space route. So guys like Wood tend to get squeezed, guys in that good but not great tier. That's a big part of how Wood went from Detroit to Houston in the first place at a lower rate than a lot of people expected, a lower salary that is, because there just wasn't. it's not like the old days where you know the Pistons try to clear cap room for a star and then they can, you know, they're just going to burn a hole. They've got money burning a hole through their pocket, and they turn to Ben Gordon and Charlie Villanueva, to use an analogy from 10, 15 years ago. These days, teams are a lot more savvy. They see that stars like James Harden are increasingly not getting to free agency. They're leveraging their way out. So because of that, the bird rights are becoming a little more important. And so uh, that's why while, I, you know, I wouldn't say it's a great day, other than maybe from the context of the Harden trade, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but in terms of not trading Eric Gordon and Christian Wood, it, you know, it feels a little underwhelming. In a perfect world, a rebuilding team would cash in those assets. But I'm not exactly despondent over it either. There is a point in which, you know, the value is low enough that it just makes sense to sort of roll them over into the offseason and into next year. And it seems like that that's what they're going to do. And then as far as the Daniel Tice trade, I actually like that to move Tice for expiring contracts. It seemed pretty clear that, you know, Tice just did not have a place to play on the Rockets as long as Christian Wood and Alper and Shingoon are both healthy and on the roster. So when there wasn't a Wood trade to pivot to the Tice deal, that's sneaky good because, you know, people are saying, well, it was a failed signing in the offseason. I wouldn't say that. I think they signed him because they didn't realize either A, that they'd even get Shingoon because a lot of these deals are agreed to before the draft. And B, they didn't realize that Shingun at 19 would be ready to play as soon as he was. They also were hopeful that maybe Tyson Christian Wood could play together. That turned out to be wrong. So it's fair to criticize them on that front. But for a 29-year-old veteran center who isn't playing, to basically move him without attaching any sort of asset in terms of you know, draft pick sweetener for Boston to take him on and get you know, Dennis Schroeder and you know, just expiring salary pieces – that's a decent move because for the Rockets, I've said this a lot the last few days, the key date is the 2023 off season because in 2023, 2024, 
that's when their draft obligations to Oklahoma City from that terrible CP3 rush trade kick back into you know high gear. And so the Rockets have every incentive by the 2023 offseason to put the best product on the floor that they can because even if they're bad, they don't get to reap the benefits in all likelihood. So that's why getting Tice off the books, and he was going to be a free agent. I mean, he was going to be not a free agent, excuse me, on, on the books for the 2023 offseason. To be able to move him without attaching any assets to do that, it's not a sexy move. But all in all, it's a pretty good save is what I would call it from Raphael Stone, the Rockets front office, because clearly they did not get from Tice what they wanted to when they signed him. But effectively by this, they just get him off the books after one year. And it's basically no harm, no foul when it comes to the long term future. So I would say all in all, there's no headliners. There's nothing sexy, but getting rid of Tice could be useful. And with Gordon and Wood, you know, I understand people wanting a move, especially for a rebuilding team. But there is a point in which the value just isn't there relative to keeping them. And if you're a rebuilding team like the Rockets, you just need to do, you know, keep in mind the best value that you possibly can. Yeah, you and I disagree, I think, on Tice being a good or bad signing. I just thought, you know, for a center that does what he does, a lot of those guys are just always available for pretty cheap and whatever. But I will say that the Rockets – you know, they might have made a mistake with that move. I, I definitely think they made a mistake with the, the, the length of the contract, for sure, if, if not the size of the contract. But you make a mistake, you get out of it, which is what Rafael Stone did, and, and that's a positive. I mean, you're going to make a mistake at, at times as a general manager. Sure. Um, with, with Gordon and uh, Wood, do you think there's any possibility that Stone sees being able to either – combine both of them or trade one of them in the offseason for somebody that's a better player that has some experience that could accelerate the timeline if say they get somebody that they're really excited about uh, at, at the peak of this draft you know if they get somebody that they think could be a game changer whether it's Jabari Smith or uh, Chet Holmgren or Paolo is that a possibility like a John Collins or Jeremy Grant, not necessarily saying those guys, but some, something like that. Well, and one thing that I would point out on Christian Wood, I think the draft lottery has huge stakes for his future in Houston because, you know, we'll see down the stretch of the season. Now that we know he stayed, they're doing the Wood Shingoon pairings more and more to this point. It hasn't looked great, but I would also say that, you know, surrounding them with Jason Tate is, a huge problem. You're asking for the spacing to be horrific. I would love to see them do that with Garrison Matthews or Eric Gordon, or maybe even Dennis Schroeder. If they keep him uh, down the stretch of this year to get a better idea of can Christian Wood and Alperen Shingun um, work with better spacing. And of course you also want to see just how ready is Alperen Shingun. He had a good start to the year. And as you've said on Twitter, you're exactly right. Really since about mid December, his play has fallen off a lot. Now, of course, he had an injury in there as well, which probably contributed, especially in January. But uh, the bottom line is that, you know, there's more uncertainty with Shingun than a lot of people think. So we'll see down the stretch of the year just how good Shingun is and how ready he is for a bump in minutes next year. We'll see how he plays next to Christian Wood. And you'll see, do you get a top three pick in the lottery? Because with it being Holmgren, with it being uh, Jabari, with it being Paolo, you have three bigs that are in all likelihood, going to be the first three picks of the draft. And there's a greater than 50-50 shot that you are not in the top three, even if you have the worst record in the league. And so if you end up getting, you know, a guard, an Ivy type, 
And at that point, maybe you do have more of an open mind towards keeping Christian Wood. On the other hand, if you do have more luck in the lottery and you get one of those three stud bigs and you already have Shingoon, and if he shows you something to make you feel good about it, uh, then maybe that makes them more comfortable for saying, you know what, we're just going to trade Christian for the best possible deal and, you know, just basically get the best asset that we can. Whereas now there's just a lot of uncertainty. And again, at his age and with his bird rights, I really don't see there being a huge drop off from now until the summer in terms of the value for Christian Wood. So that's why I don't really see there being a lot to lose with Eric Gordon, maybe because Gordon at 33, you can say, hey, he's the guy, the type of guy who, you know, contenders want for a playoff push, not necessarily for a full season. And this is a career year. Will he be able to repeat that? What if he gets injured? We know he's dealing with the plantar fasciitis right now. You know, there's a lot of ifs, but I think with Gordon, as we mentioned earlier, the fact is at a worst case, he could be an expiring salary. And I think those mid-tier salaries are useful to them. You know, they're keeping John Wall to our knowledge. They haven't leaked any plan to buy him out after the deadline. Um, Wall's contract, well, theoretically, it's nice to say, oh, you have a $45 million expiring. It's in practice almost impossible to use that because – you know, other than a true supermax guy, that salary is just going to be way, way disproportionate to who you could reasonably get. But at, on the other hand, you know, Gordon at closer to 20 million, that's a lot more useful. I don't know who that player would be, but yeah, I think, you know, keeping around, there is some value in that. And if the value that you were offered at the deadline, be it a super late first run pick or uh, second run pick, whatever theories ultimately emerge and many already are on Twitter, then yeah, you could argue that your scenario, it's just a very low opportunity cost to keep them to the summer. So while I wish that they had made a sexy move today, I'm not, you know, apoplectic about it the way a lot of people are. Yeah. You said a couple of things that just want to hit on real quickly. I, I kept hearing people say over and over again that they were concerned about being able to keep Christian Wood you know, at the end of his contract because he was going to get the max. And I never, I was like, what, what, if, if he's worth the max, then, you know, <laughs> you know, that would be unreal. I, I just have never felt like he's been anywhere close to that. And I mean, that would have been the dream scenario of all of a sudden Christian Wood plays himself into being worth the max. And, you know, his value uh, should have been, should be obvious at this point as to there wasn't, it seemed like much of a market at all for Christian Wood. Now, John Wall, you just mentioned him. I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, everybody was saying Wall for Westbrook, whatever. I just don't see Wall wanting to sit out the entire year. And I think this has got to come to a head soon, Ben. And if you're stone, uh, it's not going to look good if, you know, you play hardball with him and, and make Wall sit out when you're trying to deal with other players around the NBA. And we know who his agent is. So I feel like Wall still ends up with the Lakers or ends up in a buyout pretty soon. I yeah, mean, I, I just can't see it not getting to that. There's at least a chance, and I realized that during my last answer to you, I was t talking about you know keeping Gordon around for salary matching purposes, and because of that, well, number one, it, as I said, it wasn't really easy to use Wall as salary matching just based on the sheer size. But now you do have other options like EG, you know, if someone comes available that you want. So. What is the real incentive to keeping Wall around? That's why if you're ultimately going to buy him out anyway, and of course the paychecks are going to him this season either way, that's part of the agreement, then what's the downside to letting him go in late February relative to waiting until 
you know, I guess theoretically they could wait until through the draft and the first wave of free agency. But again, you already have other matching salary. I think that's at least a component of their decision to keep Eric Gordon. So if your matching salary isn't that important, and as we talked about earlier, you know, he's certainly not a long-term part of the team. 2023, you know, his bird rights are inconsequential. Uh, you're certainly not looking to re-sign him. You'll renounce him immediately because you want cap space and financial flexibility in 2023. Then there just doesn't seem to be a lot of downside to letting him go early. And you could potentially build some goodwill. We already saw in the last hour on Instagram, he posted something basically saying he just wants to play. So, yeah, that's interesting. I think one of the ramifications of keeping Gordon, it might make it easier to buy out Wall because you do have that matching salary of something, you know, just in case something comes available that you like this summer. Yeah, the Lakers may have been just playing a game of chicken and just figuring nobody else is going to jump at Wall. So we'll wait till there's a buyout, but we'll see what's going to happen. It might be happening as you and I talk, Ben, because we're doing this right after the trade deadline. But uh, I want to ask you about the Harden trade before I let you go. Daryl Morey learned a lot from his Westbrook trade experience. Notice he put a top eight protection in the the 27 (laughs) first round pick. He also wisely got Harden to opt in next year, which I thought was just amazing. Beautifully done by Daryl all the way around. Um, My angle on this, Ben, is from the Rockets angle. And I think I disagree from with a lot of people out there about this. But I think um, having Ben Simmons on the Nets is much worse for those Rockets first round picks moving forward because Ben Simmons is younger. I thought Harden was going to age very poorly. They were going to sign him to some big contract that was going to get him into a deep jam. He He's a, a chemistry issue. Ben is not a chemistry issue um, and, unless uh, you, you, may, you get him mad like they, they did in Philadelphia. <laughs> so I just feel like that that's this is kind of bad for the Rockets because I think Simmons and Durant are going to get along fine. The only hope now, if you're the Rockets, is that Durant starts breaking down. That's the real hope. Or that he asks out. And that's why I'm on board with, you know, what happened. I see where you're coming from. But, you know, I think the big takeaway when you're talking about a situation like Brooklyn, it's not so much about improving at the margins. It comes down to can you win a championship or not? And particularly, I think, with the Kyrie situation, his lack of availability, that's what really started to push Harden to think about it because that's the whole reason why he went through everything he did um, a year ago to get out of Houston because he wanted that ring to sort of cement his legacy, if you will. So, Yeah, yeah, my thing, though, is you're talking about whether the Nets can win a championship or whatever. Um, I'm saying that... You know, the Rockets need the Nets not to have 50 win seasons and not to be in total rebuild Well, I know, but, well, I know, but what I'm saying is that I think there's a good chance that if they go into sort of winning like 48 to 50 games every year and Kevin Durant is 34 already and having injury problems, it would not surprise me at all if at some point in the next 12 months, Kevin Durant is trying to force his way to a better situation because a part-time Kyrie and, you know, a co-star, you know, in air quotes and Ben Simmons that can't shoot – and doesn't seem to want the ball in key situations in the playoffs, that doesn't really seem to be ideal other than, I don't know, maybe you can use Simmons as bait for another star uh, to eventually pair up with KD. But, I mean, Maury had kind of failed with that for everyone other than than Harden over the last few months of that. So I would just say that, to me, part of it is, number one, I think you want to destabilize the Nets, make them not a title contender. And the other thing, too, what this clearly does, in my opinion, Robert – it raises the floor of those picks in that 
you now feel at least for the foreseeable future, those picks are not going to be 25 or worse the way so many people just assumed when that deal was made a year ago. And based on that timeline, I told you a few minutes ago, as far as, you know, by really 18 months from now, the Rockets are going to be trying aggressively to put the best team together they can because they don't want to be rebuilding and losing when their picks are going to OKC. I think there's a decent shot that, you know, in the next 12 to 18 months, they end up trading a lot of those Brooklyn draft assets for a star somewhere else that becomes disgruntled. And I think in terms of a trade in the short term, nobody's going to gamble on saying, well, you know, maybe Harden ages out and that pick ends up being really good. I mean, you take that as a bonus, but nobody's really going to consider that that heavily in negotiations. However, what they will consider is the floor. And now that you do have Harden off the team, basically KD as the only true star fully available, then I think other GMs will look at those picks, at least in the short term, is having more value than they would have a couple of weeks ago before all of this started. And to me, with the Rockets, I'm more concerned about the short-term liquidity of those picks than I am where they actually end up in the long haul. And by the way, one more point on the Harden trade that I would make. It's strange to me that Rockets Twitter is focused more on um, you know, the Gordon and Woods situations than they are the Harden deal. Because the Harden deal is way, way more important. What happens to the value and, you know, if somehow they keep those picks, the ultimate spot of those picks is way more important than, well, could you have extracted a pick in the second half of the first round for Eric Gordon? People are so fixated on, you know, just constantly trying to get a referendum. Did you win or did you lose in this negotiation, this deal, that sometimes they miss the forest for the trees and that they already have a ton of future draft assets that, you know, is going to enable them to be a legit player for the next true stars that become available on the trade market. The hard part is not putting the package together. The hard part is convincing, you know, back channel communications, uh, whoever that star is, that Houston is the place for them. So it's just so weird to see the fixation on, you know, stuff like the Eric Gordon trade, which is, you know, would you like to have an asset for EG? Yes, but in the grand scheme, it's inconsequential. The Harden deal is way more important because we're talking about three picks, three swaps, and I'm not saying 100% that the path that this went today with the Nets adding Simmons is better for the picks. Like, I understand, like, your view, and it absolutely could turn out that way. This is one where reasonable people can definitely disagree. And don't forget that they do have uh, Kyrie, uh, you know, under contract at least. And you could, you know, potentially, if you're the Nets, you've just added a couple of first-round picks. So you've added some assets that you could put with Kyrie if 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 another guy is available, uh, Bradley Beal, he's peeking out of the window after that. Porz- I don't know if I want to hitch my wagon to Porzingis yeah. if I'm Bradley Beal. Yeah. Although, granted, I'm not sure, even if there's no mandate, how many teams want to uh, hitch their wagon to Kyrie, for that matter, because there's been a lot of erratic behavior of late. But I, I would just say that, in general, that debate is far, far more important than whatever we think of their negotiations involving Eric Gordon and Christian Wood. Like, People are just so constantly on social media wanting a referendum. Did you win this? Did you lose? And it's not just about overall, you know, wins or losses. It's about the big picture of, you know, how the Rockets build a contender again and what they do with those Brooklyn picks, whether they make them themselves, whether they package them. And of course, at that point, it depends on the liquidity. Um, That, at the end of the day, is by far the biggest story for the Rockets out of the 2022 trade deadline.
I want to just ask you one more question, not to do with any of the uh, trades today, but to me, this is a, a much bigger deal. You know, talking about Christian Wood and the concerns with Rockets fans over Christian Wood, his mm-hmm. selfishness, we see at times on the floor. And uh, the, the concern, I guess, is if you've been watching the, the videos that have been being put up, uh, him and Jalen Green sort of freezing each other out. Is, is that a real con- Have you heard anything about those two guys not liking each other or they're being it? Because that's a big deal if you're just letting Christian Wood hang around and, and all of a sudden him and Jalen Green aren't getting along. I have not heard that. I've heard the exact opposite. But with that said, of course, teams are going to closely guard any secrets like that and prevent them from getting out, especially when they're looking at uh, potentially moving the player, which they were at least open to before today. I will say one thing that um, one thing that I was told about Christian a few weeks ago that intrigued me. Somebody pointed out that the incident that happened during the New Year's Day game when everything hit the fan, it was told to me that if they were solely concerned about maximizing his trade value, that they could have kept that under the rug. What they were saying to me is that part of the reason that they you know, talked about that publicly was because they wanted him to grow and learn from it and didn't they try to keep that under the rug, though? Wasn't that brought out by some? Because the the post game with Silas, he he just sort well, of well initially, but yeah. that's yeah initially, but that's just you know literally like ten minutes after the game. I don't put a lot of stock in that. They leaked it to the media later that night, and then of course they talked about it the next couple of days. Okay. I, I think that's less about like trying to hide it, and it's more about trying to sort of come up with okay, this is our PR strategy. This is how we're gonna how we're gonna answer certain questions. And they were very frustrated because of course they got blown out that night by Denver. But yeah, they were saying that you know they could have tried to keep that under the wraps. They're saying that because if they kept it under the wraps, it might have been better for his trade value. But it's because they do believe in him that they do want to, you know, they believe that he could grow from that kind of stuff. And you know, they acknowledge there's some immaturity issues, and none of that should be a shock to people who have watched on a regular basis and you see uh, the body language from time to time. But I do think at least from what I've been told, they don't see any of this as super concerning. What I was told is sort of a contrast example. Um, You know, with PJ Tucker a year ago, they ultimately just sent him home. And there was just a lot of things that, you know, the bottom line, like that environment was just not good, but they, you know, they kept a lot of things under wraps because they didn't want um, to lower his trade value. You know, they didn't want it because they knew they had to deal. And he was expiring. He was unhappy. Whereas with Christian, you know, I think they were open to trading him, but they're also open to keeping him. You know, they didn't really go into it with their mind made up. And so because of that, they are hoping that he learns from that stuff. So it's, you know, I see the stuff that you're talking about and I'm not going to sit here and say that it's nothing. But I also feel pretty confident after talking to people that it's not something that they view as like super irredeemable or unsalvageable, uh, at least not to this point. Well, man, I could talk to you for another hour because there's just so much going on today and there's so much with the Rockets, but I know you're busy. It's at Bet Dubose at the Rockets Wire. I think you guys know where to find his stuff, but um, definitely uh, check out Ben. And uh, I thank you so much for taking out some time today. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. 
You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.